It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays, raining Jays. Millie's. Welcome back, this is the Lockdown Celtics Podcast And we want to thank you for making us part of your daily routine We are here for you Monday through Friday To get you everything you need to know about the Celtics we are the Rain and Jays. Normally there's more than me, but today it's just me for now because I'm going to be joined in a few minutes by Sean Woodley of the Locked On Raptors podcast. We go on a big discussion about the upcoming game. We talk about the similarities between the two teams. I think one thing you're going to find out in this podcast is that the way we think about our teams in Boston and in Toronto is very, very similar. And we talk about what playoff matchups we're most confident against moving forward. So, first of all, before we get to that, welcome to all the new listeners. If you are a new listener, if you're coming over from Toronto, or if you're just new to this podcast, I am John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for MassLive.com. I am on the Celtics beat for them. Normally, I'm either joined by Jay King, who is on the Celtics beat for The Athletic, or I'm joined by Sam Jam Packard who uh, is formerly of WEI and just an all-around funny Celtics guy. So follow us on Twitter. I'm RedsArmy underscore John. Jay is at by Jay King. Sam is at Jam Packard. Follow us. Listen to the podcast on a regular basis. Please subscribe. Search for these the Lockdown Celtics podcast wherever you get podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on everything. If you listen in your car, you can tell your car to play podcast. Use your smart thing, whatever, your phone, your smart car, whatever, trigger, wake it up and say play podcast Lockdown Celtics. As you're driving, you don't have to take your eyes off the road. You don't have to break concentration. You just say play podcast Lockdown Celtics and it'll fire it up. So thanks again for checking us out. We hope you enjoy the podcast. We have a lot of fun here. This podcast is a very good one, I think, because Sean Woodley makes it great. Again, Sean Woodley of the Lockdown Raptors podcast joins me now. So, Sean, Celtics Raptors coming up tonight, Tuesday night. Uh, I'd say big game, and it's big, I guess, in that there's a strong possibility that our teams could face each other, but there's no chance of us catching each other. So how much importance are you putting on the results of this game? Yeah, this is tough because I I'm still kind of operating under the assumption that eventually Boston's going to move into the three seed, and then like a Raptors Celtics second round matchup will be in the cards. So like you want to see them, you want to see the Raptors play well. You want to see the Raptors kind of improve upon the things that have gone wrong late in the games in Boston the last two times they've played. But like 
I know. I just this is my problem that I'm having right now, and I've been thinking about this since yesterday when the Raptors lost to the Magic, and everyone had like an existential crisis about the Raptors. It's like I don't really know how much I care about this regular season at all anymore. It's just the Raptors season has been so disjointed. They have had very little continuity. They have injured. They've had injuries. They've had trades. They've had Kawhi sitting out for load management. They've had just like very little in the way of consistency across the board. And I still look at the Raptors and I look at their roster and I think like this team can make a finals. They're very talented. They're extremely experienced, like in a way that they haven't been before. Their best players, I think, translate to the playoffs in a way that their best players haven't before. So I still really believe in what the Raptors are going to be in the playoffs. And I don't think this game against the Celtics is going to change that all that much. But uh, it's just, yeah, you want to see them win it probably. And you want to see sort of how they go about beating the Celtics and some matchup stuff. I want to see how Marcus Gasol looks in this matchup to see how he matches up against Al Horford because, you know, that's going to be, I think, a big point of contention if a series comes across. If it's Raptors-Celtics, like, are you going to be able to play Gasol in that series or are you going to have to ride a Baca pretty hard? And if that's the case, like, maybe that's not a bad thing. I know the Raptors starters with a Baca in there have been like a plus 20 net rating against Boston in like 56 minutes this year. So maybe you just want to see a continuation of that to prove that that's actually a lineup that's going to be viable against Boston. Um, I'm truthfully not entirely sure what I hope to see from this game because the Raptors have been so all over the place. It's just I, I and I keep thinking about last regular season and how how comfortable Raptors fans were and how their numbers were like Milwaukee-esque where they were just blowing everyone else out. Their their net rating was incredible. One of the best you've ever seen from any team in the Eastern Conference. Um, like I think the best of like the, the LeBron post first Cavs era like teams. Like it was just, they were really, really good. And then you get to the playoffs and like you go into the postseason, the Cavs are a tire fire. Boston's kind of disjointed after their start where they go 15 and two. And then from the, the there on out, the Raptors are very much the best team. And then you have the Sixers going in on a crazy hot run winning all of those games to close the season and then ultimately I don't think any of that regular season stuff really mattered and so now I've just become nihilist Sean I suppose where I suppose nothing matters in the regular season <laughs> and I'm just waiting for the postseason to come but I don't know how are you feeling about this one in terms of its importance for what's to come down the road so first of all before I get into that I think it's funny that so much of what you said sounds like it could have come out of a Celtics fan's mouth <laughs> the, the regular season is so disjointed and it's been up and down and we don't know what to make of certain things. And it, it, it's funny. It hasn't been the same type of stuff, but to hear that coming from somebody who follows the 44 and 17 Raptors who are still only two games out of the top seed. So you still have a chance to get that top seed. Theoretically, it's kind of funny because <laughs> the Celtics are sitting here as the fifth seed and Cruising along for so much of the, the, this, you know, it, it's so up and down. We cruise, 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 and all of a sudden, three game of just complete crap in my in Orlando, Miami, and Brooklyn. And then those two horrible losses to the L.A. teams. And then, oh, well, we beat, we beat Philly, and that's good. And we beat Detroit. Detroit's playing pretty well. That's good. You come out, you lose to the Bucks, And then to lose to the Bulls, we're just like, that's it. Sky's falling. Everybody's writing like I I was halfway through a piece of this is who these guys are and this is that's it it's all we can expect from them and I took a, st a step back and I was like wait a second now they've still won six, almost 62% of their games mm -hmm. they've they've done fairly well the problem with the Celtics is the losses that they have are brutal so mm -hmm. they 
they lost to the Bulls in just a disgusting fashion, it would be very on brand for the Celtics to come out and beat Toronto. It, mm-hmm. that it's exactly in the playbook for them to come out and beat Toronto now. Uh, and they did that the last time because that was the game where Kyrie Irving revealed, Oh yeah, I'm having trouble. I was, I realized I was having trouble as a leader and I called LeBron. <laughs> the, the Celtics were just coming off that road trip. They had a horrible loss in Miami, a, a disgusting loss in Orlando, a, an equally bad loss in Brooklyn, although they didn't have Kyrie in that one. And then they came out and they beat the Raptors after that. And it was like, see, that's exactly, that's exactly on brand for them. So it's, it's almost like watching a boxer who has a good record and is in contention for the, the championship. But every time he loses, he gets like knocked the hell out. And you're like, mm-hmm. geez, it's not, he doesn't just lose. He loses badly. He wins a lot of fights, and against other good fighters, they, he does pretty well, holds his own. But against bad fighters, he just gets glass chin knocked out. That's that's the Celtics. So I wonder. Uh, good. Sorry, I wonder if like the because it does feel like that with the Raptors too. Anytime they lose, like yesterday, like I mentioned, they won seven in a row, and it wasn't like a very convincing seven game winning streak, and it was super bizarre um, with a lot of like injuries and like a third of the roster turning over and all this stuff within that span. But, like, they lose to the Magic yesterday, and it's just like, let's call it Nick Nurse. Is Nick Nurse even good at coaching? Should he even be coach? <laughs> Should he be coaching back in England? Like, it's just like, it gets oh so... God, he, so and I wonder if it's like, I kind of wonder if just, like, the paranoia and just, like, the madness that seems to be seeping into the brains of a lot of the fans of these teams in the East, and like myself included, I guess, um, but, like... It just, I wonder if it's just a result of how much there is riding on this postseason run for both for all of these teams. Like obviously Philly has Butler and Tobias Harris, and Milwaukee has four fifths of their starting lineup, and obviously Kyrie is looming in a very strange and very public way in Boston, and then Kawhi well, less publicly, but very much still there. That thing still looms as well, and it's just, and it's just like if it doesn't go perfectly the future of all these teams could be drastically changed. So maybe it is like justified to be concerned that everything isn't looking, you know, just spick and span at this point of the season. We are, there's only 20 games or so left. Like, I guess maybe it's time for them to really kind of like all these teams to find their groove. And it just kind of feels like none of them really are except for Milwaukee, that which might be the team that I believe in the least right now. It's, it's very, very bizarre. I have no idea how to sort of like, I've been thinking about this and everyone has been ever since like the trades went down or even before that. But just like the top of the East is so fascinating and confusing to me. In the middle of it, you have like Indiana winning all these games and screwing everything up and making the potential of a Boston Philly <laughs> first round series, a delicious Boston Philly first round series, like very much a possibility. It's just everyone's brains are poisoned by what's going on right now. And I think a lot of it is just because of the stakes riding on all of it. it, it well, there's that. And it, there's, there are obvious glaring things with each one of these teams you start at the top milwaukee so obviously they've got Giannis, and they they're playing extraordinarily well Mm -hmm. but do you trust eric bledsoe in the playoffs do you think that nikola miritich can come through and make a, a huge difference uh from a boston perspective i don't know maybe even from a toronto perspective is that i know that from from mine i look at it and say well they could they can play Brooke Lopez off the floor. They can they can scheme him off the floor because of Al Horford, just like you were talking about. And we'll get into the, the Toronto matchup. So there's that. And 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 with the Toronto matchup, there's there's all of this uh potential Indiana. Yeah, they're playing well and they're they're making up for 
the the loss of uh, Oladipo. Uh, it's funny. Side note: No one's really saying, "Are they better without Oladipo?" They're just <laughs> people just sit there and be like, "Wow, they're really stepping up. That's great." The none of this are they better without Kyrie type of stuff that's coming out of Boston. Just a side <laughs> note. Uh, but they're you're right. They are screwing things up. They don't have that star. Like they, they're playing great team basketball. But once the playoffs come around, who who steps up and and leads them? Philly, great starting lineup, terrible bench, and Embiid. First of all, now the the injury, and then again the Boston matchup with with Horford. Horford eats up Embiid. So and the Celtics. So Gasol, by the way. Yeah, yes. So yeah, it's it's so wild. Like the Celtics are in the fifth seed, but in any one of these matchups. Each each team can make a strong case for winning, so I, I don't I don't know what to think anymore <laughs> with these guys. <laughs> they have obvious problems, but again, the playoffs are such a different animal. So whatever we see tonight with the Raptors and the Celtics, that's that's not what we're going to see if they meet up in the second round or the conference finals. However, things shake out. It's it's going to be adjustments. It's going to be matchups. It's going to be like you said, Mark Gasol and and uh, Ibaka and what does Kyle Lowry do? So I mean, mm. it's it's wild. Like the the I wonder if we're just like just in way too deep. Like we're, we're just the analysis is so hyper focused on every little wart, every little thing that's out of place like you just can't help like if you take a supermodel's face and you zoom way in you're gonna be like oh man look at all these flaws you pull out you're like this is one of the most gorgeous people i've ever seen in the world and Mm -hmm. obviously the celtics aren't that but do you think they're good they're they're good they're they're a good team they're a good team Mm -hmm. like when you win 62 percent of your games you're a good team the raptors won 72 percent of their games Mm-hmm. You're a really good team, but there's still <laughs> this this feeling of dread. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. 
subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. It's an interesting point here that the similarities with uh, Kawhi potentially leaving and the uncertainty, I guess, around Kyrie and how both of our teams could be next season radically different. And Mm -hmm. the Celtics are pursuing Anthony Davis. They're considered to be in the lead for Anthony Davis. Who knows what's going to happen with the Raptors? So does that kind of uncertainty kind of – I don't know, frame how you look at what's happening with this team, with, with this, with this matchup, especially with us. None of this is enjoyable. (laughs) That's the thing. It's like, it's (laughs) the joy of like being a fan and following the team has kind of been lost right now. And yeah, like I want to like break down this matchup with Boston and like kind of look into it and think like, yeah, where's this? Like, what are the interesting ways or the places where the Raptors have an advantage? And then like you come to a point where it's like, uh Oh, they might not have an advantage here. And then it's like, Oh no, everything's bad now and everything's terrible. And it's all going to fall to crap. It's just, it's very, very hard to not zero in all out on that. All the flaws, like you said, like, I think that's a really good analogy you use with the supermodel close up. It's just, Every little thing could matter down the road, even if it doesn't, like it could. And so when I'm watching like Jeremy Lin and he allows a blow by or something and it's like, oh, damn, like is Jeremy Lin going to be able to play in the playoffs? Like what's going to happen? It's just like (laughs) I should be enjoying the integration of Marcus Saul and his really fun passes and like all this stuff and the the fanfare around Jeremy Lin. I should be enjoying all that, but there's just so much weight behind all of it that I just can't really yet find myself just like basking in the glow. It was honestly kind of nice to have a game on Friday with DeMar DeRozan's return where it wasn't even about the on-court product as much as it was just like the emotion and the feelings. <laughs> and like, <laughs> that was kind of a nice little break because there's not going to be that much of that emotion and feeling stuff. I wrote about this after the Raptors beat the Hawks, the day they made the Marcus Gasol trade, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think it was the deadline. And they beat the Hawks without, they only had like nine guys in the lineup. Pascal Siakam had 44, he had a career high, and no, there was no Kawhi, and it was just like a really fun, weird, bizarre game that didn't really have any stakes because it was like, there was no expectations for them to win. They had nine guys, and two of them were G-leaguers, and they still ended up pulling out the win, and I wrote like, this might be the last time it's fun for a while because everything is going to have weight now. And yeah, I, I honestly, I really envy the teams like the Kings who are just like enjoying the ride or like the Clippers where it's just like, yeah, this doesn't matter all that much. We're not going to do anything serious. And it's just the expectations always seem to poison the enjoyment, which is uh weird sports fan thing but i i very much come to think of that like i found myself more than any other season longing for the 2013-14 raptors where they were just like surprisingly good and lost in the first round in seven games and it felt like nice things were coming this year it feels like everything is on this one season and so yeah like i'm gonna look at this boston matchup and i'm gonna watch that game tomorrow and every little thing that goes wrong or tonight whenever this posts like i'm gonna everything that goes wrong i'm gonna over overanalyze it just because that's the way my brain is is conditioned now because it's poisoned. Like it's, it's so funny. It's poisoned by expectation. And that's the exact same thing. I didn't realize how much 
we had in common this season, Mm -hmm. our two teams and the way we think of that. That's an interesting thing to have discovered in this podcast because poisoned by expectations is the exact headline of this Celtic season. If this Celtic season didn't, if it didn't come in, if we didn't come into this with the Celtics as the really the runaway, uh, favorites to, to come out of the East or or it was basically was us in Toronto as mm-hmm. seen as the two top teams and to be the fifth seed. Now it's, it's, Oh my God, it's the worst. It's the worst possible thing that could happen. Last season <laughs> was so enjoyable because once Hayward went down and once Kyrie went down, it was, Oh, well it's over. Like it, it was over once Hayward broke his foot in, in the opening minutes of the season. Like that was the immediate it's over. And then they went on that massive winning streak and things were like, oh, wow, this is a lot of fun. And last last year's team was a lot of fun because they didn't have any expectations. And this is why I find it very interesting to see what like the, the Sacramento Kings are going to be next season. Because mm-hmm. this season, they're all dancing on the sidelines and everybody's having a grand old time. And they're 31 and 28 and no one expected them to be 31 and 28. This is just an amazing team. Every, everybody's darling, the Sacramento Kings. Mm-hmm. Next year, they're going to come in with some expectations, and it's going to be like, "Huh, the Kings were pretty good last year. Can they keep it up? I think they can keep it up. Look at these guys. Look at this. Look at Buddy here. Look at De'Aaron Fox." All of a sudden, guys are going to start feeling the weight of that. They're going to start wanting to get their own attention. They're going to start to want to get their own buzz, awards, and all that stuff. The natural thing that happens with young teams. The same stuff that happened with the Boston Celtics with these guys, with Tatum and Brown and Rozier coming in after having worked out with Kobe and T-Mac and gotten, gotten a shoe deal and all that stuff, wanting a little bit more of that tension, wanting a little bit more of that shine, and things change. The dynamic changes a lot. So I'm very interested to see what the Sacramento Kings do next year. The expectations can really be crushing for a team, and it, cha- it really hurts the continuity, the chemistry, and we've learned that. Very, very harshly in Boston. Now, for Toronto, mm-hmm. you have the added thing of you've added two players now, or a couple, well, more than two players. Yeah. But Mark Gasol, I thought, I mean, everybody thinks that was a pretty good pickup. He seems to be playing pretty well. I haven't watched a ton of the Raptors, but the, what I've seen, he seems to be working pretty well, given goes with Kyle Lowry. Uh, I, I see him working out of like the high post. I see him flashing and, and hitting and hitting guys, or it seems to be doing all right. How have you seen Gasol integrating so far? Yeah, it's been a little disjointed, obviously, because there were the two games before the All-Star break, and then you have the All-Star break to kind of ruminate on those, and then there's been two games out of the hop, and against the... Uh, Spurs on Friday, he had like five fouls, only played 17 minutes and was in foul trouble pretty much the entire time he was on the floor. Um, but like I've liked what I've seen. And I think finally yesterday in his fourth game with the team, Nurse Nick Nurse ended up starting him. Uh, didn't have Kawhi in the starting five, so you don't really know exactly how it all looks. But I think a lot of the issues the Raptors have had should be cleared up by Marcus Gasol starting with that starting five. Because, you know, as good as that lineup has been at times this year, and especially against the Celtics, which is interesting, and I'm curious to see, it's like the one team right now that I really feel confident in that lineup against. Otherwise, I'm very much on the start Gasol at center pretty much every game train right now. But that creates its own problems because the bench was awful yesterday, and Nick Nurse has really not figured out how to properly use the rotation. And, like, in fairness... 
there's a lot of guys to work in, a lot of new bodies. Like Jody Meeks appeared yesterday and hit had ten points, and it's like, oh hey, Jody Meeks is on the team now. That was wild. I I yeah. forgot I forgot that Jody Meeks was on the team. So I saw yeah. him like all of a sudden hitting these legs. Like whoa, okay. So my experience watching the game Sunday, I was like in a car driving for the first half when Jody Meeks had all of his points, and then I get to my hotel room and I like turn on the TV and I see him brick like three straight shots, and I'm like, what? Where was all the good stuff? I missed all the good Jody Meeks. I may have missed the only good Jody Meeks in the history of his Raptors tenure. Uh, so we will see. But yeah, it's just Nurse has not quite figured out the bench rotations, which is going to be very important because if you're moving Abaka to the bench. Having a like creator who can make him shine is going to be critical, and I think Jeremy Lin's done a pretty decent job of doing that a little bit so far in their first couple of games together. Um, but like, there's just not a ton of creation in that second unit, so I, I'm wondering exactly how Nurse is going to go about staggering it. I've been saying since the deals happened that I think Nurse should be trying to go with like the Philly model, where just like he has a lot of very good players, he has Siakam and Gasol and Lowry and Leonard and Danny Green. There should be two of those guys in the court at all times to me. And that's just not been the case. And it's just, it's, I'm getting a little frustrated because there's only 21 games left and I just want to see some sort of rotation continuity. But it's hard with Kawhi taking nights off, which I totally get and, and support because I think the long game with him is the most important and respecting what he wants to do with his body might be the way, the key to his heart and keeping him around long term. So I'm cool just doing whatever it is Kawhi wants to do with his body and his playing time. Um, but it is coming at the cost of not getting that chemistry, not seeing Gasol play with the starters. And I think We've seen some nice little moments, and I think there were a couple possessions against the Spurs on Friday where, like, Gasol would get a pass from Kawhi and sort of turn it around and find Danny Green for three or something like that, and it just kind of, like, it all flows together. There's been a problem with the Raptors' offense this season where there has just been kind of everyone kind of operating on their, own, on their own track, like Kawhi doing his own thing, just like commandeering possessions, Pascal Siakam commandeering his own possessions. And then like Kyle and Serge Ibaka working in their own little one, two sort of tunnel as well. Danny green just sort of floating in the ether, just racking up good plus minus numbers the entire time. Um, but like, it's just not really been cohesive. And I've been saying all along, like, Marcus Gasol seems like the kind of guy, a big man who sets mean screens and passes like a monster, like feels like the kind of guy who could tie that all together. And there's been really small sample examples of it working. We just haven't seen it enough because Nurse took three games of the 23 he had to work with to end up starting him. And I, I just, I'm the time is uh, getting a little bit short here to sort of make all these decisions with who's going to play where and when. And so I'm still a little like, unsure and uneasy about what it's all going to look like. But at the same time, I look at the roster, I look at the experience they have. I look at how, like, I just think like Kawhi is just a different beast. As we saw in that game on Friday, he's just a different beast than DeRozan. He's going to transfer to the playoffs a lot better. I think Marcus all is more of a playoff player who can play in all matchups or most matchups in a way that Jonas Valanciunas couldn't really. I just think it's all going to transfer a lot better to the postseason that it has for the Raptors in the past. So even with all these concerns, I'm like, yeah, but still, they're really talented and good, and like I'm not sure any of the regular season matters at all. So, like, we'll see what happens in the postseason. I believe in the talent, so I'm not even sure how much it matters whether or not it like really comes together in the next couple weeks here with Gasol. But I do think the early sort of impressions have been good. With the Celtics, like, what was your reaction when this deal went down? As someone who covers a team who could potentially play the Raptors, like. Does the Gasol, the presence of Gasol kind of change how you view the Raptors, or is it kind of the same thing? Oh, I, I definitely, I thought, like, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, boy, 
Here we go. This could be tough um, because he's hard to defend. He's a big, big, strong guy. So he can it, – it depends on really for the Celtics if they have Aaron Baines. And yeah. If they have Baines, which they won't for this game, then they, they can, when Horford comes out, still throw a big body in there and, it, and a very, very good defender. So the Celtics will have a very good – big, strong defender in there against Gasol at all times. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've seen Gasol when Baines was out when they played in Memphis just completely, utterly destroy Daniel Tice, just tear him to tear him to shreds. And I like Daniel Tice. It's just this is not the matchup for him. And so one thing that we'll watch for in this game is how Brad Stevens matches up the Gasol minutes. Is he going to basically play Horford whenever Gasol is on the floor and when Gasol comes off, Horford comes off, uh, and and where do you go from there? Although I don't know, how many, is is the twenty some odd minutes for Gasol kind of like the standard right now? Yeah, it's been. I think he's kind of creeping up a little bit. He only played seventeen Friday again because of the foul trouble. But I do think, like we we saw before the deal, like Abaka was around like twenty six to twenty nine most nights. Sometimes getting to thirty, while Valanciunas was in around the like nineteen to twenty one range. And I think eventually we'll see it flip to where it's Gasol playing that Abaka share of minutes and Abaka kind of taking on what Jonas was playing in around that 20-minute mark just because I think Gasol in most matchups is going to be more useful than Abaka, um, which sucks to say because Abaka's been really good this year and probably doesn't deserve a demotion to the bench, but I just think with the way the team works, having that extra playmaking out there is going to be so crucial to help open up the potential of the starting five in particular. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll see it kind of creep up. I'm... I'm hoping we see some good run against Boston because it's the last opportunity to see the Celtics on the schedule. And again, like this could be a playoff matchup. So we know, like I said, I think it's 56 minutes this season for Ibaka with the starters. And it's been really good against Boston. I think a plus 20 net rating exactly. And so we know that's probably going to be okay and it's probably going to work and you're going to get by with that lineup. I would like to see some other stuff in this game, in particular Gasol getting a lot of run against Horford to see how that works because we don't know what it's going to look like yet. We don't know if that lineup is going to be prone to sort of being carved open by, you know, Horford stretching it out for three and things like that. Um, so that's the thing I'm most looking for. I just want a lot of Gasol in this game mostly. I want a lot of Gasol in all these games just to kind of get as much sample as we can because we know what it looks like with Ibaka. The starters with Ibaka have been actually a negative net rating since January 1st with a few exceptions of games where they've looked really, really good. And so I think maybe that's a lineup you sort of deploy more strategically as opposed to just doing it all the time. And for now, I just want to see as much as of Gasol with the starters as humanly possible and hopefully that starts because it hasn't really been the case so far in the Marcus all era. Hopefully we see that against Boston on Tuesday night. Um, one question I have for you with regards to the Celtics and how they match up against the Raptors. Like, are you more confident in Kyrie being able to cook kind of uncontained against the Raptors than any other team in the East? Because obviously, like, Ben Simmons exists for, for Philly. And yes, like, Kyrie's done well against Philly, and they haven't really had an answer for him. Um, but, like, Ben Simmons is a very good defender. You have multiple defenders who could maybe take a run at Kyrie. You have, like, Eric Bledsoe, Malcolm Brogdon, decent enough defenders to throw at him if you're Milwaukee. The Raptors seem to be very prone to getting cooked by Kyrie. And maybe it's just a matter of, like, Kyle not having the speed to keep up with him. Like, is there something that you think the Raptors could do maybe to sort of turn the tide and maybe have a better, more of an advantage defending Kyrie? Cause that still feels like they're one very sore weak spot when it comes to the Boston matchup. That definitely scares the hell out of me. Yeah. I would, I would throw Danny green on Kyrie. Uh, yeah. Just, or, or even, even 
maybe you do something crazy and throw like uh, I don't know like like OG and Nobi on him or yeah. something. I, I would do I would do the uh, Pascal like they did with John Wall in the playoffs yeah. last yeah. year, just because tra- basically just what I'm saying that's is, fun and weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I think that's the way to go. The the one thing that uh, Kyrie even admitted, uh, what was it? I forget which game it was. Um, that they threw, jeez, I can't believe I'm blanking on it, but they threw a bunch of height at him and he didn't, he kind of admitted like, oh yeah, I didn't know what to do with all that. And now mm-hmm. it seems like the word is kind of out. Like you start throwing some length at him and if you can get Siakam on him or OG or at least Danny Green, like mm-hmm. just that extra height and length. Now the question is staying in front of him and what, what he's going to do against. So if Siakam's in front of him, then, and Siakam's a, a quick guy but he, he's just going to try to dribble and and get Siakam's weight moving one way so he can pull mm-hmm. by him the other like that's that's the risk but right now what I would say is uh, just throw as much height at him as you can and and see how that goes and the, then see how what the, the Celtics counter is going to be well can you get what switches can you get and what mismatches can you hunt so, but right now I would start with, I would start with some height on him and I would put Kyle Lowry on Marcus Smart and just let those just, mm. you know, whatever, however you need to do it, but get, get some height on Kyrie. Um, that would be my, my adjustment. Uh, the, I, I like your idea from a Toronto perspective. Like this, I think has to be a, an experimentation game for the Raptors, which would be good for the Celtics because I think, it's in Nick Nurse's best interest to try weird things mm-hmm. against Boston in this game because it's not – I don't think it's going to cost the Raptors right now. I feel like you're pretty comfortable in that second seed. There, there's not going to be um, a big push. Like the Pacers are floating along, but – they're not pushing to get into the second seed unless you're really trying to get to that top seed. If you're comfortable at, at two, then fine. I think this is the opportunity for Nick Nurse in this game to, like you said, go with Gasol. And I would, from your perspective, be putting Gasol in there with Al Horford every chance I get just to see. Mm-hmm. Because from a Boston perspective, Boston's trying to win games. They need wins. So Boston's going to play some of the hands that they have. Al Horford's playing extraordinarily well right now. So you're going to start to see some of the, the best that Al Horford has to offer. And it'd be interesting. I don't know if Brad Stevens ever going to say we should hold back on certain things. Maybe they won't call certain plays. Maybe they would say, do not call this, 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 and this, because we mm-hmm. want to save that. But everybody knows. By the time we get to the playoffs, everybody knows everybody's plays. And so I, I really think that, Toronto has an advantage. It, it's weird to say Toronto has an advantage that will probably mean you lose this particular game, but the data you can gather from mm-hmm. this game could be very valuable in an upcoming series. So if you're willing to possibly sacrifice this game, still play to win, but you know, you, you play the weird lineups and hope those lineups are enough to win. But still play the weird lineups, still have the, the kind of bizarre matchups, and you say, what the hell is he doing here? This way, when he says, well, we've seen Gasol with Al Horford, and I would expect the Celtics to pick and pop and you know run this 
this set where they, you know, they have a couple of sets against their, you know, a big, a big center where they set a couple of screens and whatever, whatever. I'm not going to go through all of it now, but if mm-hmm. they start whipping those things out, you say, all right, well, now there's something we can watch for. And now mm-hmm. when they try that in the playoffs, there's something that we can defend that. And it's the chess game kind of goes that way. So I guess, I guess in the end, what I expect from this game is the stuff we just talked about. I expect the Celtics, I, I kind of expect them to win or at least have a chance to win. And I expect Toronto to be trying things. And this, I think they should be. Yeah. Here's hoping. Um, <laughs> We're probably coming close to the end here, but just quickly. Uh, Most to least comfortable in the Celtics' ability to beat the following. Toronto, Milwaukee, Philly, go. As far as in a playoff series? Yeah, in a playoff series. Most comfortable is Philly. Mm -hmm. Um, Second, I will say, you know, okay, so in my heart, I want just my reaction is to say second is Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. because I just don't trust trust them as much as Giannis is the best player in the East. And I think that's, I think that's clear. I don't trust them over seven games with the style that they play and the personnel that they have. I think the Celtics defensively have shown the ability to limit Giannis's impact in that, the other day they had they played him. He had a monster stat line, thirty points and near triple double. It looked, I think, or he had like six assists, but whatever. At no point in that game did I think he was taking over. I think he was just steadily good, and he did a good job passing off of his penetration. He did a good job, but at no point was it like Giannis is the most unstoppable thing here, and and there's we're doing everything we can, and he's scoring twelve straight points. Like he didn't have that i do wonder if jason tatum would agree with this sentiment (laughs) (laughs) well we'll see (laughs) (laughs) that block block. beautiful um yeah there there, i'm sure there are listeners right now who goes what are you talking about that was a foul (laughs) but whatever Uh, um so i i think i think the raptors have more weapons that I am afraid of. Like Kawhi, like you said, is in a, over a playoff series. Like he's going to get plenty of rest because there's two and three days off in between games. Mm-hmm. He, he is the, he and Kyrie are the two best individual players. And you can argue who's better than the other, but um, you still have uh, Danny Green scares the hell out of me. Because mm-hmm. he's a good defender, and he just always – the ball always seems to find him with enough room to shoot. And every time he shoots, I feel like it's going to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marcus Gasol, granted that he, the, he might be a liability defensively, but at the same time, what he can do for an offense is, is tremendous. And it's hard to guard that. Like, he's – like, the Celtics are, are – great in part because Al Horford is great. Like, and I think Al Horford's better than Gasol. Uh, mm-hmm. 
at, at this point in their career anyway. But Gasol can still do a lot of great things. And in, in him in the high post, he can pick a team apart. And if the Celtics aren't careful, which sometimes they're not, they can get picked apart. So that's that's an interesting dynamic. And then if Kyle Lowry can can be good, then that could swing a series. Like we know Kyle, what the mm-hmm. rap is on Kyle Lowry, but if he can come out and and if the pressure's off of him and he can be good in a playoff series in a conference final or whenever they meet, that that's that's scary to me. So I would go Philly, Philly, Milwaukee, Toronto. Okay, so let's flip it to you then. Same yeah. thing, same thing with Boston in there. Philly, the easiest, I think, the one I'm ha- most comfortable with. I think they've kind of owned. I mean, Kawhi owns Ben Simmons to a gr- to a degree that is kind of remarkable. <laughs> like, it seems like he's been in his head all season long, and the number of like clutch turnovers he's forced on Simmons in uh, high leverage moments is uh, it gives me a lot of confidence. And also, I think Gasol against Embiid is a matchup you're pretty comfortable with. Uh, I would go. I would probably go Milwaukee two and then Boston three. I don't want to see Boston. I think, uh, like the the Kyrie like just taking it to the next level and just like screwing around and putting up thirty five on your head kind of scares me to a degree that you know doesn't really exist the same with any of the stars and the other teams. Even though Giannis is incredible, uh, I also think the Raptors. Like while they're one and three against Milwaukee this season, like I think they match up pretty well, and they have a lot of bodies they can throw at Giannis. Uh, probably more bodies than any team going right now. Like you can throw a Baca, you can throw Kawhi, you can throw OG, who's done a surprisingly really good job against Giannis in their careers, uh, and then Siakam as well can stick with them a little bit. So it's just like a lot of different looks you can throw at him, which I think matters in a playoff series instead of just like Giannis getting used to one or two different guys. It's going to be just like a whole gaggle of dudes that gets thrown at him. Um, and then, like, I agree with the whole, I'm not sure how much the Bucks hold up in the postseason with, like, Bledsoe and Chris Middleton as their second best player. I think the gulf between Giannis and the second best Buck is, like, significantly greater than the gulf between any other best player on any of these teams and the second best player, which it's reductive and simplistic, but I think that matters in a playoff series. I think it matters to have a lot of guys you can count on. And like Kyle Lowry's coming around his shooting really well lately. And I think that kind of mid season spell of him not being super healthy is a bit behind him. And he's looking a lot more lately, like the player who started the season who looked like prime Steve Nash. And that player gives me a lot of confidence. And so, yeah. And like Siakam is a nice little wild card too. You can throw against any of these teams. So I feel other than Boston, where I think it's like a coin flip, I feel pretty confident in the Raptors against both Philly and Milwaukee, I guess I would say. I just probably more confident against Philly just because of the matchup advantages that seem just so, so obvious that are not going to be solved by anything because Ben Simmons need to, needs to be on the floor. You can't just, like, take Ben Simmons off to hide him from Kawhi. He's just going to be out there, and Kawhi's going to be haunting him every step of the way. Um, so that's, yeah, I think I think we're both in agreement then that, like, Philly and Bo- or Toronto and Boston, they feel like the two most, like, playoff worthy teams um and like philly and milwaukee fans would hear this might scream but i kind of i kind of think that is the right opinion um as great as milwaukee's been this year i just i'm not sure in how that system is going to translate to the playoffs where all of the margins where they kind of find themselves having advantages like teams work on those margins in the playoffs and they close them and like you know the way that milwaukee like lets bad shooters shoot all the time 
everyone's going to do that in the playoffs to every team. Like Marcus Smart is going to be able to take all the wide open threes he wants. Patrick Pascal Siakam is going to be able to take all the wide open threes he wants against any of these other teams that they're playing. Like Milwaukee's style of defense, it's like they're almost playing a playoff defense in the regular season, and that is resulting in very good results. But I think that's gonna that gap is gonna close a little bit as everyone starts playing playoff defense because that's what you do in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, totally, totally. And there are there are yeah. questions there are questions about Budenholzer Budenholzer's um, playoff adjustments, and there, mm-hmm. there there are questions about uh, like you said the defensive style. I I don't want to make it seem like I'm I'm crapping all over the Bucks because I'm not. I think they've been really good. I like that team. Like I like the Bucks. If mm-hmm. I if I wasn't covering the Celtics, and you know if you take the Celtics off of the board. The Bucks might be the team I, I like most in the East as far as just watching. Of course, I'm partial to Giannis and Tentacumpo because, you know, we've got the Greek mm-hmm. thing going on. But still, I, I think I think they're fun. And they're, it's a fun story and all of that. Um, but, again, it's funny. We are very similar in our assessments. We both have teams that are not afraid of the Philadelphia 76ers. For in the Sixers, I'm sure Sixers fans, if any of them are listening to this, they'd be like losing their minds. But it's been shown we both have ways to counter Ben Simmons. We both have ways to counter Joel Embiid. And when push comes to shove, those are the two guys. Even though they've got Jimmy Butler, even though they've got Tobias Harris, even though they've got JJ Redick, those are the two guys that when it's down the stretch in the fourth quarter, they're the two that have the ball, get the ball, and are expected to execute. So that's uh, when you have strong counters for that, it's obviously you could lose the game, but I feel very confident in that. I'm also, as an aside, and we won't really need to get into this, but I don't know that that makes Jimmy Butler feel very good, that he's not, like, number one. <laughs> like, I, I don't think Jimmy Butler's coming back to Philly next year like that's that's gonna be wild but that's a whole other podcast um okay so he is Danny Green on Philly <laughs> yeah right well I'm afraid that that we're gonna lose Marcus Morris to Philly uh so like it's gonna be it's gonna be wild um so all right so that's it um I feel I feel like I feel like the Celtics might might win this game I I feel like, yeah. I feel like this is because that's what they do and I think, like we said, Toronto is in experimentation mode. And I think they should be in experimentation mode. Is that something that you're kind of on board with? Yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be a very close game. I think the Raps are really good at home, so I, I'd like – I hesitate to pick against them, but like the way they're playing, the way it's not really been all together, it's a little bit disjointed. I think maybe they'll lose this one. Um, and like you said, Boston maybe is more urgent for wins than the Raptors are right now too. So yeah, I'll say Boston wins. All right. Right. Sean, well, appreciate you hopping on for, for a minute. Uh, of course. Yeah, man. Everybody should go. Many minutes. This was great. Yeah, right. We always (laughs) do that. Like, can you come on for like 15 minutes, 45 minutes later? Yeah. Uh, everybody go follow Sean Woodley on Twitter at Woodley with an E at Woodley Sean and listen to the locked on Raptors podcast. It's always great. I think to listen to the other team's podcast before and after a game, just to get an idea of what they're thinking and what you see, because we see things from a Boston perspective, go listen to the locked on Raptors after the game. So you can get in a sense for things from the other team's perspective and make you, I think a better fan, a more informed fan, Sean, once again, thank you for joining us. 
Of course, man. Uh, we'll do it again when they play in the playoffs That's in the right. second round, baby. <laughs> you got it, man. Awesome conversation there with Sean. I'm still struck by how similarly we think about our teams. It's it's kind of funny to see the uh, or hear the, the the a lot of the same terminology, a lot of the same sentiment from both teams, even though the Raptors are living up to their expectations and in Boston isn't quite living up to the expectations. But having slept on it for a little bit, having looked back at it, I think I stand by the analogy I made with Sean that it's the, what we're really, there are two things that are, are hurting the Celtics. It's the expectations and it's just that some of these losses are just so brutally bad. Like the wins are great. And some of the losses against good teams are, are okay, but the the bad losses are brutally bad losses. Like they feel like the worst losses in the world. So that's really coloring how we look at this team. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure, as we go on. Expectations are a crazy thing, and we'll see how the rest of the season progresses. Again, please subscribe to the podcast. We are everywhere podcasts exist. So search for Lockdown Celtics on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever. And, of course, I am John Corrales of MassLive.com, at RedsArmy underscore John on Twitter. We're going to come back to you post-game after the Raptors and the Celtics, which may be, if the Celtics follow the script, the Celtics win. So come back for that. Thanks for listening to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Corrales, Packard, and J. King. Locked on Celtics. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.